Thank you. <laughs> well, it is good to be worshiping with you this morning. And uh, we always look forward to homecoming weekend. And then immediately following homecoming weekend is trustee meetings. We don't look forward to that really too much. Um, <laughs> I apologize if there are trustees here. I didn't mean you. I meant all the other trustees that aren't here. It's fine. Um, but it is good to be worshiping with you as we remember and we are grateful for all that God has done in our lives. We have been looking at, the last time I spoke, we looked at 2 Timothy and I was sharing with the community that in 2 Timothy we know it's Paul's last letter and we, we know he knows that he's approaching death and he writes this young man, Timothy, who he's mentored, who he has discipled, who he has invested in. And he gives him these last words of encouragement, these last words of instruction. And so in, uh, a few weeks ago when I spoke, we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 1, but today we'll, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1, but today we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 4, 5, if you want to follow along in your Bible this morning, beginning in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. And again, he is reminding him and he's encouraging to remember the heritage that you have. Remember that way the family has invested in you. Eunice, your mother, and Lois, your grandmother. Remember how they have invested in your life. Remember how people have poured their lives into yours. And be grateful. Remember how they led and guided and directed your steps. And remember the word of God that has been incarnated in you. Has been passed on to you. Remember that. Be faithful and be grateful. Yes, we remember and we are a grateful people. So as we come to this text this morning, which is actually the lectionary text for this week, it's an appropriate text, because as we gather together, we remember all that God has done in our lives. And alumni remember what's happened on this campus and in the classrooms. And I know some of you alum, if you've been walking the grounds, it's, sometimes it's difficult because you come to a place under a tree or in a quiet place, you're like, yeah, that's right there. That's, that's where she broke up with me. Uh, that's, that's a painful place. Some of you have several painful places around campus because that happens so often. And you come back to campus and, and, and you don't know how to function or how to deal with that. And, and I need to tell you today, that tradition lives on. <laughs> that is still happening. Mostly to the guys. But, but we come back to this place and hopefully it was also holy ground. Holy ground around this beautiful arboretum, but also in the classroom. And I hope that the students realize that that is what it is. Not because of anything we do, or I do as chaplain, or the president does, or the trustee, or whoever. It's because the presence of God is here, and that is holy ground. And I think we have a 65th reunion class this year, right? Do we have some members from the 65th uh, college reunion year? And, uh, And then we have freshmen that just started their college journey. And we still, together, have this in common. We go to this school which is filled with the presence of the Lord, and we truly are on holy ground. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 14, and I'll be reading to chapter 4, verse 5. Uh, If you're able, will you please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning? But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. 
And so I solemnly urge you before God, before Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God, be persistent whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry God has given you. The word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, your word has been spoken. We have sung your praises with our mouths. We have celebrated those who have gone before us. And now as we go to your word, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you open our hearts and minds to what you have for us today. And may all of us draw closer to you and to a deeper understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We pray these things now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Paul is telling Timothy, you can trust those who taught you. You can trust the family. You can trust the Christian heritage that has been given to you. Now, it's interesting that Paul is saying that when he did not have a Christian heritage. So even if you do not come from a Christian home, or you have not been taught, or your feet have not been led to a Christian church, you can follow the example of Paul. The grace of God can still be shed abroad in your life. But as he looks to Timothy, he says you can be thankful of what you have been taught by your family and in your home. So last, when I spoke a few weeks ago, we talked about the importance of having a mentor, having a Paul in your life. And many of you have heard everyone should have a Paul who is a mentor, and everyone should have a Timothy, someone you're mentoring, and more than one, really. And uh, I sent our roving reporter out into the campus yesterday to speak to some students to ask them who was a spiritual mentor in their life. Who were the people that invested in their life and taught them the Holy Scriptures, as Paul is talking about in Timothy. And Canaan's prepared a little video for us this morning. My grandmother has been my biggest spiritual mentor because she always lives every day like Christ is her role model. And she's taught me how to live my life in the path of Jesus. The person who has influenced me the most has been Julie Johnson, who was my youth leader. She's taught me how to live a life for God and how to commit to the Bible. And, yep. My biggest spiritual influence has been uh, my father. Uh, he's been my pastor uh, for most of my life and he's been there as my father just to guide me. Um, he's had me read Proverbs like every day for each day that there was in the month so uh, that tried to keep me on the right path uh, along with my brothers uh, and he just showed us uh, great love but also the love of God throughout that time. So, um, Some people who were influential in my life were definitely um, teachers from high school and uh, people who kind of took me in as their own daughter. They guided me um, and just helped me through some rough times in my life and allowed me to keep my focus on Jesus. I'd have to say the greatest spiritual influence in my life would be my older brother. Um, I never really paid too much attention to him when I was younger, but uh, as we were growing up, he, he really led by example. He's never really even had talks with me, per se, about spiritual matters, but he leads by example. I look up to him so much, and uh, just the way he leads his life, it makes me want to imitate him, and uh, it really does bring me closer to Jesus. Um, I would say one of the most influential people in my life is Corey McPherson. 
he's just been just really awesome. He's always there for students. He, like, pretty much no matter what you're doing, he's just ready to get in and, like, get involved. Like, he's going to be in a dunk take this weekend. Like, what kind of person does? Just because I paid her does not mean it wasn't true. <laughs> this week I came across a list. It was actually from 1980 or 82. I got it from the provost's office, and I was curious how many emeriti faculty we have. And I was looking at this list of all these names uh, from 1980 that were already considered emeriti. And, uh, and then down throughout this list, there were other names uh, that were associate professors or assistant professors. And as I looked through this list, I thought, my goodness, the names of people that have invested in students over the years. Uh, in the video, we heard about parents and grandparents and brothers, and we heard about teachers, high school teachers. And, and I believe and hope and pray that for many of you now that one day you'll be able to say it was a college professor. Maybe like one of the names that are scrolling before you now. Grateful and thankful and trusting what we have been taught because we know the person who taught us. And we know the God that they follow. And so as Paul is telling Timothy, remember what you have been taught. We can remember the way we have been blessed. We remember and we are grateful. We remember the people that God has blessed us with. And we are grateful that we have been blessed to have them in our lives. And we are grateful. So remember those that have invested in your life. Remember how they have directed your steps to the church and have directed your steps to the word. That doesn't mean we put our faith in people. Our faith must always be in Christ. We don't worship the people whose names were scrolling or the people mentioned in the video. We worship Christ alone. But we look to others to lead us and guide us toward Christ. Yes, you can trust the ones who taught you. And even though there may come times in your life where there are challenges or crisis, or maybe even some people disappoint you along the way, Paul is telling Timothy, you can remember that you have been taught the Holy Scriptures. And that the Holy Scriptures from childhood, which you have been taught, can be your foundation. They give you wisdom and you can receive the salvation that comes from Christ Jesus. The Scripture, the Word of God, is our foundation of authority in life and ministry. For us in the Church of the Nazarene, but in all evangelical traditions and even other Christian traditions, we affirm a high authority of Scripture, and that's what Paul's reminding of Timothy. There was a Cape Town commitment, it's called, at the Third Lausanne Congress that was written by denominations, an interdenominational document written by theologians and biblical scholars all over the world affirming this authority of God's Scripture in our lives. The document states, We receive the whole Bible as the Word of God. Inspired by God's Spirit, spoken and written through human authors. We must submit to it as supremely and uniquely authoritative, governing our belief and behavior. We testify to the power of God's Word to accomplish His purpose for salvation. We affirm that the whole Bible is the final written Word of God, not surpassed by any further revelation. But we also rejoice that the Holy Spirit illumines the minds of God's people so that the Bible continues to speak God's truth in fresh ways to people in every culture. 
Paul is reminding Timothy, remember what you have been taught and directed to the Word of God. We had the privilege of having Dr. Noble speak in chapel a few weeks ago. And in this statement, in in regards to the authority of Scripture in the church, as he discusses the Cape Town commitment, he says, We strongly endorse this Cape Town commitment that we love God's Word. We love God's Word because we love God. We love God's Word because we love His world. We love God's world because we love the gospel. We love the people of God. And we love the mission of God. Be of this book of what your parents, of what your family have directed you to. The Holy Scriptures. Recently, I heard a sermon by Craig Barnes, who is the president at Princeton Theological Seminary. Before going to Princeton, he was a professor of preaching and homiletics at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. His father was a Southern Baptist minister, but when Craig was very young, his father packed up the family, he and his older brother and his mom, and they moved to Long Island, New York. And they started a Southern Baptist church in Long Island, New York. And about the age of 15 or 16, his mother had some sort of breakdown and she left the family and moved to Dallas to be with her sister and was eventually hospitalized. As Dr. Barnes tells the story, he says that the church didn't know what to do with a pastor who was going through a divorce at that time, so they asked him to leave. And his father eventually had a breakdown and got in the car and drove away. And Craig and his brother have never seen him again. So as Craig is 16 years old, his brother drops out of Cornell University to come and help take care of him and help him get him through school and get him into college. He still had about two years of high school left. The church asked them to leave because they said it's just too uncomfortable to have you here. They eventually had to obviously move out of the apartment. And he says his brother provided, got a construction job, and they had an apartment. and, And they provided, and his brother helped provide for him. He says, and never at any point did we talk about what we had just been through or what we were in the midst of. We never spoke about it. But our mother called us from Dallas and said, hey, why don't you come join me for Christmas? I just got out of the hospital. And he said, being two foolish teenagers, we didn't have a car, we didn't have money, so we decided to hitchhike from Long Island to New York to Dallas, Texas. And in Virginia, they had a snowstorm in the Blue Ridge Mountain area. And as Dr. Barnes tells the story, he he says that as the storm was coming, the cars were becoming fewer and fewer. And a police officer, a state patrolman said, boys, I hate to tell you this, but the highway closed two hours ago. I have to go take an, see an accident, but I'll come back and pick you up and I'll take you to a diner and you can get warm and, and prepare for your journey later. And they said that is what he did and, and uh, they were thankful for that. But as they sat there for two hours waiting for him to return, they remembered something their dad used to do. And every Monday their dad would give them a little white card with a Bible verse on it and it was their responsibility to memorize that Bible verse. And at Saturday night dinner, their father would turn to them and say, Romans eight twenty eight. Isaiah 43. And if they didn't know the verse of that week, but also the verses they learned earlier, there was no dinner. That's one way to memorize the Word of God, I guess. (laughs) And as they were sitting on that mountain roadside in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, Snow coming down, they were just passing conversation. They still had not spoken at all about what had happened and why they were e- where they were even going. All of a sudden, out of the blue, his brother turns to him, and in his dad's voice, he says, Romans eight twenty eight. And he said, for the next hour, we just went back and forth, imitating our dad, quoting these scriptures. He said, at one point, my brother turned to me and said, Isaiah 43. And I replied, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. 
and you are mine. I give that long introduction for this one quote from Dr. Barnes. We spent the next few hours reciting Bible verses that we memorized, but never listened to. Do not be afraid, for I ransom you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. He talks about how the word was incarnated within them. That though he doesn't practice that tactic like his dad does, that there was some pain in the church, and the way their parents handled some things was very painful, maybe not even Christian at times. He said, still, that word of God that I never paid attention to was within us, and it began to stir that night in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. The word of God. Trust in what has been taught you. Each night as Edie is preparing the kids for bed, she tells them a Bible verse, or they recite a Bible verse together. And more, on more than one occasion as they get ready to do this, I give her that look, that look that a chaplain gives uh, who studies the Bible. And I look at her when she just quotes these Bible verses, and she knows what I'm thinking. I'm saying, Edie, you know, there is a cultural context behind this verse you're sharing. There's a hermeneutical approach. If we're studying the New Testament, we must look at it with a history and understanding of the Old Testament. And if we're going to read, memorize Old Testament verses, we must understand the, the light of the New Testament and how it speaks back into it. And then, of course, the New Testament, Old Testament, points and leads us to Christ Jesus. So we must understand the hermeneutical approach here. She knows what I'm thinking. And even if I don't say a word, she then smacks me. <laughs> Rolls her eyes shakes her head and turns to the kids and says, Isaiah 43. And they recite it together. This past uh, summer, they've been, a few, two years ago, we had a professor that uh, recited the Sermon on the Mount, just walked the aisles in chapel and recited the Sermon on the Mount. It was, po- it was powerful, and, and the kids have been learning that. And so these verses of, do not be afraid, these verses that my children are learning, that they're being taught from childhood, on the days when they begin to have times of fear, when they go through dark nights, when they go through storms of life, I too want the word of God to stir within them. I too want the power and the word of God to stir in them that is incarnated within them so that when they go through those difficult days, they can remember and hear that still small voice of God say, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. Or on the days where they begin to lose sight of the light of Christ and wonder, where is God in all of this? Where is God in this pain? Where is God in the sorrow in this, in this city, in this nation, in this world? When they begin to become overwhelmed with that, I hope they hear that still small voice when they've memorized those verses from the Sermon on the Mount, that still small voice that says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain glowing in the night. For all to see. Yes, Paul is reminding Timothy, remember and be grateful for the Christian heritage you have and the people that have invested in your life, as we should be grateful for the people that have invested in our lives. Be grateful for the word of God that can be incarnated within us and lead us and guide us in all things. And I know this is about the time chapel should end, but homecoming chapel goes a little long, so the shuttles will wait. And you know, to the students, if I keep preaching, I could preach through your whole next class. Is that what you're wanting? Is that... (laughs) (laughs) The provost of the college looks furious right now, so I'm going to have to uh, wrap it up.
the shuttles will wait, so please, just a few more moments. We remember and we are grateful. But too often we forget the blessings of God. Too often we forget the blessings of God in our lives and we then fail to be grateful. At the memorial service for Sidney Fields uh, just a few weeks ago at the beginning of the semester, as I was just giving a closing thought and a closing message on the gospel of Christ, I talked about how when I was a student, there came a point in my life where I wasn't grateful for some of the friendships I had. There were fights or arguments along the way like friends can have. And, and, even, at, and even though we were close friends for three or four years, that graduation day, we were so angry with one another, we never did say goodbye. We never did say goodbye. A dear friend of ours, an alum of the school, uh, Dexter Scannerberry, passed away suddenly a few years after we had graduated from college. I had come back to speak at his memorial service, as several people were doing, and we were at a friend's house the night before, and, and the doorbell rang, and I went and opened the door, and there was uh, my friend and her husband. And The moment we looked at each other, we knew all was forgiven. We knew all was forgiven because we had just lost a close friend, And we came to the understanding that life is too short and friendships are too precious. They are a blessing of God. And it's silly, but it's true. It happens. If that moment had not happened in our lives, and I don't believe God orchestrated or planned it or anything like that, I wonder if still today, 15, 16 years later, if that relationship would still be broken. Too often we forget the blessings of God in our lives like friendships, the gift of another day, the food to eat, the clothes to wear. We forget the blessings of God. Or maybe I have it backwards. In fact, I think I do have it backwards. It's not that we forget the blessing of God in our lives and then we're no longer grateful. I think we fail to be grateful. And when we fail to be grateful, we forget the blessings of God. So we must be a grateful people. We must be people of praise and remember all that God has done for us, whether that's being grateful in our prayer time or when we gather and our feet go to the church to be with the body of Christ, thankful for the body of Christ and what it means in our hearts and in our lives. Yes, when we fail to be grateful, that's when we forget the blessings of God. And it is here we begin to lose our way, which Paul is warning Timothy. It is here we begin to lose our way and start being led in different directions. It's here that we forget all the blessings of that faithful Sunday school teacher that invested in our lives or that faithful youth worker or that professor or and whatever pain you may have experienced in the church or in your home. Sometimes we get so focused on that because we stop being grateful for the blessings of God. We forget all the people that God has brought into our lives for a purpose and for a reason. Grateful. We forget to be grateful for the opportunity to earn an education at a school like ENC. See, I want to be a follower of Christ who is grateful. Grateful for all that God has done. Grateful for his many blessings. We must be a grateful people and remember the blessings of God in our lives. One closing story and then I'll dismiss. One of the most influential people in my life I met when I was seven years old. I met him at a camp. He was working at the camp that year and he was someone that stayed in my life uh, up up until, until I met Edie. I'd see him every few years. I wouldn't see him every year. He was just an adult that loved children and loved working in youth ministry and just, just had that type of ministry that just cared for us and loved us. And I remember when I was a teenager, I would sometimes call him when I was having a difficult day. And, 
and, and he would spend, he'd always take the call, and he'd always have time, even though he was so much older, and I mean, he was older than my parents, he was really old, you know, and I was, I was, I was just blessed to have him in my life, and though it wasn't a daily presence, it was just one that you knew that was there for you. So after Edie and I got engaged, I tried to find him, I hadn't spoken to him in a few years, and his phone number was disconnected, and his emails were returned. It was still, it was actually email time back then. We did have email. It was probably just AOL or something. But it was being returned. It's not being, couldn't, couldn't be received. I couldn't find him. The district superintendent of uh, the Metro New York District at the time is the one who filled me in. And I'll never forget when he told me, Corey, I'm so sorry. He's no longer in ministry. Not only was he no longer in ministry, he was facing some criminal charges. And I was devastated. And if it wasn't for my wife, at the, well, my fiancé at the time, and, and for my church, and I never went into my church and told them, hey, let, this is what's going on. It was just that faithful going to the church and to our small group week in and week out that I think helped me through that faith crisis. That helped me through that time of struggle and sorrow and heartbreak. And to this day, I've still never spoken to him. And I don't know the details. There was no need for me to know the details. There was no need for me to ask questions. But somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, I think like many of us, I can safely say I'm guessing he just stopped being grateful and lost sight of the blessings of God. And Paul warns of that in 4.3. People begin to follow their own desires and stop listening to right teachings. So remember the heritage and the faith that has been passed down to you. Remember this word of God that was instilled in you. Don't follow your own desires and stop listening to teaching that leads you away from Christ. I share that story with you to, so you know to not allow mentors or family members who have caused you pain in life. Many of you, I know, I, I just know, not even that I know all the stories, but I know with a room this size, we've had people in our lives that were spiritual mentors, and somewhere along the way they have stumbled. Somewhere along the way they have turned from God, and that has shaken your faith, for it has shaken mine. I want to encourage you today that our faith is never in a person, and that even when people we love, and maybe even pastors, and those we look up to that stumble along the way or completely return or t- turn away from Christ, remember our hope was never in a person. Our hope is always in Christ. And that is the foundation of our faith and life. Our hope is always in Christ. Can I tell you that I am again grateful for him? It took several years, and we have not spoken. But I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for his presence in my life. Because before that time of turning away, he preached the word of God. He patiently corrected and rebuked and encouraged me with good teaching. And for that I am grateful. So let us be a grateful people. Remembering all that God has blessed us with. We had a student ministry on Wednesday. We had four students up here that talked about passions they have and where they're serving in ministry. And to those students, and to all students, as I challenge you to pray that prayer, Lord, I'll serve wherever you want me to serve. I want to encourage you to live a life of gratefulness. Remember the blessings of God in your life. As it says in verse 5, work at bringing others to Christ. 
As Kurt told us, I had a lot of money in the way that I was living, but there is nothing more fulfilling than being in relationship with Christ. So work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry God has given you, as Paul says to Timothy. Whether you are a freshman or celebrating your 65th college reunion, let us work together at bringing others to Christ, completing the ministry God has given us. Let us live a life of gratefulness, remembering the blessings of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone in this sanctuary this morning that has gone through in some ways a spiritual trauma where someone they looked up to, perhaps a pastor or a mentor or a friend or family member, and that person may have stumbled along the way. I pray for those students or anyone in this room that's in that situation. May, they, may the power of your Holy Spirit fill their lives where they're able to extend grace and forgive. And may the power of your Holy Spirit work in their lives where they grow from this experience and not turn back. May they remember that their hope was never in a person, that our hope is always in Christ. And, oh, Father, I pray, not only during homecoming weekend, but every day of our lives, may we be a grateful people, remembering the blessings of God in our lives. And as we close this chapel, as we close most of the chapels this semester, singing together and remembering the blessings of God, we sing together. Praise God from whom all... Brothers, have a wonderful weekend. You are just